Hello, my name is Michael Albert, and I am the host of the podcast titled Revolution Z. This is episode 42 of Revolution Z, and it is the ninth session devoted to conveying the dialogue and visuals of the screenplay and hoped-for movie that is titled Next American Revolution. So, imagine you are in a movie theater. You are viewing Next American Revolution, and you are almost two-thirds into it. The scene is a university office. You see Miguel Guevara question Bertrand Dullinger, 75, academic-looking. Miguel Guevara asks, What is RPS's political vision? The scene shifts to an auditorium, where you see young Bertrand Dollinger, 51, a physics professor, deliver a speech to a large audience. Young Bertrand Dollinger says, RPS recognizes that political activity includes legislation, adjudication, and implementation of shared program. Polity should generate fair outcomes and produce collective self-management for all. We take grassroots mechanisms that activists often form as our starting place by seeking to have every adult in society in local assemblies, with some elected to higher level assemblies, and another layer and another. You see an animation on a screen that Dellinger points at. He says, It turns out that 25 council members is a good choice, since with 25, seven layers can cover even the largest country. Within each council, RPS feels we should seek collective self-management. We should protect and pursue diversity. We should maintain solidaritous feelings and practices by protecting and even promoting dissent. We should get things done without debilitating delays, but all should have appropriate influence. An audience member interjects. But if everyone influences, we won't elevate the best decision makers. Young Dellinger replies. That seems true until we realize that saying people who are better decision makers don't get more say for that reason doesn't mean they shouldn't be heard. They simply need to convince others of the validity of their views, not impose them. We don't ignore expertise, but nor do we give it undue power. In any case, who is the world's foremost expert in your desires? The audience member responds, me. Young Dellinger continues, of course you are, so ensuring your influence when you are affected respects your expertise. More, a decision reached without the will of those affected being counted is not a good decision in any event. It is imposed, not supported. If democracy is better than autocracy, then collective self-management is better yet. On the other hand, if experts having disproportionate power is better than informed participation by all affected, then dictatorship by a genius is better than democracy for all. The audience member reacts. You exaggerate to make the choice go your way. Young Dellinger replies. Perhaps, but it makes a point. We have to pick a preferred logic, and RPS prefers self-management and a legislative structure that allows everyone to agree that outcomes are reached fairly. The audience member persists. You make it sound like everyone will abide every norm. Young Dellinger answers. No, disputes and violations will certainly occur. And to deal with that, RPS says we need a significantly improved court system, plus community-controlled police with balanced job complexes and equitable remuneration, of course. A second audience member, outraged, says, Police? Are you kidding? Fuck that. Young Dellinger rejoins. I know some are angered by what I say about police, and I understand why. Imagine you had been raped, and RPS was saying there is a place for rape suitably redefined in the new society that we seek. The audience member says, I would fight it. Young Dellinger says, you would fight it, and if you lost, you would justifiably decide RPS was not worth your support. The audience member says, you bet I would, which is why I will quit RPS if it retains policing as part of its vision. 
Young Dellinger answers. RPS believes a vastly renovated police function is valid, and also that police, with all their violent faults, are better approached as potential allies than inevitable enemies. In the future, violations of social norms are not all going to magically disappear, and dealing with them most effectively and safely requires people with special training and job requirements, not least community involvement and balanced job complexes to enforce their civility. We wouldn't say that people should pilot themselves without special training and responsibilities. We shouldn't say people should police themselves without special training and responsibilities. So are today's police enemies beyond reason or potential allies to be organized? Should we treat the police like vicious animals or attack the system that denies their better instincts? The scene shifts to Lydia Luxemburg's living room, where you see Miguel Guevara interviewing Lydia Luxemburg. Miguel Guevara asks, Lydia, what's RPS's kinship vision? Lydia Luxemburg replies, Even in a wonderful society, I might love someone who did not love me. Previously strong ties could wither. Rape and other violent acts might still occur. Social change won't eliminate the pain of losing friends and relatives to premature death. Adults will not all suddenly be equally adept at relating with children. But while I can't eliminate all that, RPS says new kinship can reduce it all and at least end male domination. The scene shifts to a classroom where you see young Lydia Luxemburg teach a class. Young Lydia Luxemburg says, Sexism is enforced by rape and battering, but also by the cumulative impact of past sexist experiences on what men and women think, desire, feel, and do, as well as by role differences in home life. We need to address all of that. So what if, as mothers... Women produce daughters who, in turn, not only have mothering capacities, but want to mother and not father. And what if, as fathers, men produce sons who not only have fathering capacities, but want to father and not mother? A student asks, are you saying we should have no mothering versus fathering, just parenting? Young Luxembourg answers, why not? Instead of women doing the nurturing, tending, and cleaning, called mothering, and men doing the decision-based tasks called fathering, both men and women would do a mix of all the tasks called parenting. The scene shifts back to Lydia's living room where the Guevara Luxembourg interview continues. Miguel Guevara asks, How did this belief get beyond the classroom? Lydia Luxembourg answers, Throughout history, including in our own upbringing, women mothered and men fathered. To change that would put our children's lives at stake. We would get no do-overs. Nonetheless, first feminists made our own home life more fair, then RPS addressed surrounding institutions. For example, to have genderless parenting, we had to have parental leave for newborn care, not leave for women only. Miguel Guevara asks, What about views of family? Lydia Luxemburg replies, Long before RPS, many feminists argued that the nuclear family was a problem. Should child care and home life rest on only one or two biological parents or involve relatives, friends, and even community members? Miguel Guevara responds, You didn't suggest requiring such things. Lydia Luxemburg answers, No, RPS rejects legislating how people live, of course. But we do urge that chosen patterns should foster gender equity, broaden the caretaking that children enjoy, and enlarge children's participation in decisions. Children should not only become capable and confident, but unconstrained by narrow feminine or masculine moles. Miguel Guevara asks, What about sexuality and relations among generations? Lydia Luxemburg replies, No one knows what fully liberated sexuality will provide or all the diverse forms of intergenerational responsibilities adults, children, and elders will share. 
What sex gender patterns, monogamous and not, hetero, homo, bisexual, or trans? What transformed caregiving institutions, families, schools, and other spaces for children, as well as for adults and the elderly? But we do know actors of all ages, genders, and preferences will engage in non-oppressive, consensual relations free from stigma. Miguel Guevara asks, what about bringing up children as a revolutionary? Lydia Luxemburg replies, Nowadays, with RPS ascendant, a young parent who favors RPS is just honest and open. We give children room to be what they will, and children typically come to favor RPS. But earlier, when one was a revolutionary against the grain of society, and of the child's school and schoolmates, and even the child's other relatives and culture, things were much harder. Miguel Guevara asks, how did people deal? Lydia Luxemburg replies, Some of us put our views up front and actively tried to convey our hoped-for values. Others de-emphasized their views to avoid imposing. Way back when I was young, even in the most supportive families, most kids knew nearly nothing of their parents' deepest desires and beliefs, even what their work entailed, what their hopes were, and that stayed largely true until very recently. And kids reciprocated, so we had superficial communication in both directions. Aloof love, you might call it. Even when well-intended, it was typically disastrous. Just another dimension of life in developed capitalist consumer society that will die unmourned. The scene shifts to the New York City mayor's office, where you see Miguel Guevara querying Bill Hampton. Miguel Guevara asks, Bill, beyond having a vision of feminist future relations to motivate activism and spur hope, why was having powerful feminist program essential for RPS? Bill Hampton answers, Regarding society, when RPS emerged, women still earned way less than men for the same work. Women's health was still manipulated. Women still feared night on the streets, suffered vicious harassment online, and lacked attentive audiences. Harassment at work was viral. Sexism was way less prevalent than decades earlier, but far from gone. You see a video montage of RPS campaigns on screen. You see an RPS daycare facility. You see an RPS rally with a woman moderating and another speaking. You see an RPS teach-in with women up front. You also hear Bill Hampton's voice over the visuals. In RPS, we enacted daycare at all organizational gatherings with the proviso that staffing should immediately be at least half male. We legislated that public speaking at our events, marchings, teach-ins, and meetings, and leadership for our events always had to be at least 50% female. When women were not available or were not felt to be prepared by prior experience to accomplish the tasks, we had to redress that imbalance with training and practice. The new norm was simple. Correct gender imbalance or don't proceed. Movement women organized themselves. They didn't care about happy smiles and promises. They weren't appeased by men saying, have a nice day. They were ready to resist. The scene shifts to a large RPS planning meeting where about 60 women and 100 men discuss an action. You see young Bill Hampton chairing, and suddenly the door opens and 20 more women march in and stand in front, arms locked. Young Lydia Luxemburg, in front of the new group, says, Bill, sit down. Thank you. From now on, all meetings will have at least 50% women handling the organization and being the chair, and at least 50% women addressing the topics raised. If you don't want to comply, that's fine, but you will have to hold your meetings over unrelenting disruption. Young Bill Hampton, now seated but near the front, says, But delaying meetings will harm organizing. Young Lydia Luxemburg replies, Don't you see that enabling gender imbalance devastates organizing? A woman activist at the meeting says, Come on, Lydia, you demand more than we can now usefully accomplish. Young Luxembourg answers. 
We could be ham-handed, so your concern is warranted, but it is not a reason to accept perpetual hypocrisy and weakness. We must seek solidarity. We must oppose structures, not individuals. We must set standards for everyone, including ourselves. If we aren't able to do an event in a feminist manner, we should delay doing it until we can do it properly. Our desire to have public talks or to conduct meetings has to respect feminism. If not, nothing will proceed. We don't seek verbal commitments to feminism. We don't even seek changes from male leftists to accord with feminist values. We don't assert personal blame. We don't want apologies. We want structural changes that make overcoming sexism part and parcel of functioning at all. The scene shifts to the mayor's office where the Guevara-Hampton interview continues. Bill Hampton says, Previous anti-sexist efforts typically polarized men and even recalcitrant women. RPS attacked structures, but empathized with men. We organized, but didn't antagonize. In fact, up until fully transforming institutions, that has been RPS's approach regarding overcoming sexism and also racism and classism. Change relations sustainably, mutually supportively, deeply, but change now. The scene shifts to an RPS class where you see young Lydia Luxemburg teaching. Young Lydia Luxemburg says, We all become who our roles require us to be. So what role should we change to prevent men becoming sexist and women accepting sexism? A male student says, if men earn more, they will dominate. A female student says, if in dating, courting, and raising children, men and women have different roles, they will arrive at different dispositions. Young Luxembourg says, yes, and in particular, when women do most nurturing and caring, and men do most competing and governing, men become thuggish and women become empathetic, but also self-denying. So to get rid of sexist hierarchy, men must do a fair share of nurturing in the movement, society, and families. Women must do a fair share of governing. And, that said, I hope you will agree this is a good spot to pause our effort to relate the movie Next American Revolution until our 10th session on the hoped-for film in a couple of days. I hope in the meantime you will seriously consider helping Revolution Z. To do so, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash revolutionz. Patreon is a site that facilitates people supporting projects they appreciate, in this case, Revolution Z. You can also visit our Znet Revolution Z pages for more information to learn various ways to conveniently assess all the past in each new episode and to see an archive of all episodes, which is particularly valuable because Revolution Z content is not time-bound, not tied to the news cycle or daily events, but instead meant to be of lasting interest. Another option is to simply promote Revolution Z to friends and others using social media, email, or by word of mouth. Such activity is really the main means for our audience to grow. Our next episode of Revolution Z will have as guest Bill Fletcher. We will continue our exploration, begun earlier by myself and Justin Poder, of community, racial, and cultural vision for a new participatory society. Later, we will begin to consider various other facets of social life, ecology, international relations, education, health, sports, art, and more, as well as continuing our discussions of social strategy and the now unfolding election cycle in the U.S. But until all that, and for now, this is Michael Albert, signing off for Revolution Z.